welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. Uh, and again, yeah. increased sound quality means In- this is a guest episode. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, our guest today, uh, you know him from Beat the Geeks. Probably. That's where we was, know him from. He was the TV geek on, yeah. on the uh, uh, two-season-long Comedy Central hit, yeah. Beat the Geeks. Uh, Paul Goebel. Yes. Hello. That's, it was such a hit, it went for two seasons. <laughs> yeah. It was such a uh, hit. It's more than, mo- than a lot of good shows these days. That's true. Um, That's true. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, David and I, as I, as I mentioned uh, earlier, we used to live together. And uh, our, first, our first year yeah. in Chicago, we had no friends. Mm-hmm. Except for each other. Except hard, for each other. Hard to believe. As it turns out. And that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. I just met you. Um, but uh, except each other. And as it turns out, we hated each other. Yeah, yeah. That, didn't, that didn't even go very well. No. So there was, was a lot of sitting on the couch with a stack of pillows in the middle. Exactly. Not bag. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're not gays. Um, and uh, at the time, we, were, we would watch a lot of Comedy Central because it was really the only uh, channel that was on that uh, we enjoyed, and we yeah. would watch the uh, the Chris Wilde show. Yeah, and oh, the, yeah. <laughs> uh, he can currently be seen in a Del Taco commercial, dressed like a werewolf or something. Oh, is that him in That's that commercial? Him. Yeah. Oh, I um, like that commercial. Yeah, That's funny. And then, uh, but we also watched uh, Beat the Geeks, and and uh, you guys were kind of celebrities to us, and yeah. and of the of the geeks, like I always felt. To be honest, I always felt like. You know, I know as much as that movie geek. Um, and then, like, the music geek, I was like, I don't know much about music, but I don't think he does either. But, uh, but you were always the one that I was like, damn, I don't, uh, I, don't, I don't have anything there. That's pretty much everybody's opinion. Uh, all the contestants felt that way, too. Yeah. Because the movie geek got challenged the most because people figure, well, you know, I, I know the kind of music I like, but I don't know about all right, kinds right. of music. So I won't challenge him. And then... You know, TV, again, they're like, well, I watch some shows, but yeah. this guy's got to be a freak. Yeah. Which was the case. But then they go, well, I see a lot of movies. I think I could do okay. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and the simple fact was the way the show was set up was the contestants got easy questions. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the geeks got the much harder questions. So people did all right against the movie geek. It only, you know, it only helped. It was really only, you know, one on one in the final round when they would get the same level of questions that we would get. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the movie geek, it was always funny because I, there was really never even a, a challenger on there who like w- claimed to know more than me or like said they wanted to take me out. I never got that. But Mark, the movie geek, he got that all the time. People wanted to take him down and, yeah. and take him out. And I mean, I, I, he did pretty well, um, especially in the second season. You know, the big, the thing you got to remember is, well, first of all, we, we, we were getting paid, so we didn't really care. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, win or lose, we got paid the same amount at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, B, the, uh, we didn't have to prepare for that job at all. We just showed up yeah. and put on the robes. And, we, you know, we weren't allowed to talk to Blaine during the day we weren't allowed, or Keith. We weren't allowed to talk to the contestants ever or the writers. We were kept, like, in seclusion uh, uh-huh. for the whole day. So we would bring a magazine. Sometimes we were allowed magazines. Oh, but wow. we would just sit around and then do the show. And so we didn't really, you know, do much to prepare for the show other than watch TV and see movies and, and yeah. do, do what we did. And then, um, you know, and then, like I said, Mark, he would do his best. You know, he knew a lot about movies. And people would think, well, I see a shitload of movies, so I must know a lot. But yeah, he, but that's not. I mean, it wasn't like he saw every movie, but he was kind of a historian, yeah. And he kind of knew a lot about the the old style movies. I remember once that when we had the horror geek on, they asked him about the Hammer films, uh-huh. and we were uh, just talking about that. Yeah, yeah, I just heard that in the last episode, and they were they asked the horror geek about these Hammer films, and he admitted he's like that. I'm not really familiar with the Hammer films, and then Mark piped up and said, "Oh, it's this and this, and yeah. and basically all this information about them." And and I was like, "That's very cool." And we would often do that with each other, um, just about information we knew about you know something, and we would help each other out and stuff. But we got to know each other really well, and and it's funny because among the nerd. Uh, civilization in america we were huge superstars yeah. oh yeah we were giant i remember i went to wizard world have right. you ever been to wizard world in I chicago i haven't no well um i used to live in chicago too and yeah. uh they flew me out to the wizard world convention which is you know rivals comic-con in san diego it, yeah. it was huge and we did a whole thing on you know it was just a basically a panel 
where they showed some clips, and then they got three people up to try to beat me and, and ask them questions and stuff. And the place was fucking packed with nerds. Oh, yeah. It was packed were the, were the, with uh, nerds. Were the uh, Wizard World nerds, uh, were, they, were they stronger competition than you had on the show? Did they really know their shit? Um, they were pretty good. Well, it was like there was three of them. One guy was a washout. The other guy was pretty good. And the third guy really held on. His name was Darrell. I swear <laughs> to Christ. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, this guy could not be a bigger nerd. But then the best was I wanted to sell my CDs while I was there. So mm-hmm. I like uh, bullied them into giving me a seat at their table. You know, I didn't have to, you know, like the dude who does Space Ghost was there. The uh, guy who oh, awesome. Space yeah. Ghost. But he had like this little table tucked away in a corner that he of course paid for right. to yeah. sell his shit and I just bullied him and they let me sit at the wizard world table <laughs> so I had, I had this great location it was right across from Lou Ferrigno and Peter Mayhew and all those guys oh wow and uh, and people were coming up and wanting pictures and wanting me to sign their you know animation booklet and yeah. a few people bought CDs some people who like had like they like fans who had written me letters who lived in Chicago showed up and you know and wanted to meet me and it was just, it was funny because oh, I wasn't really down with it because it was just a promotional thing and you don't get paid for that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. But all in all, it was a great trip because I had friends in Chicago still and I did some radio while I was there and sold some CDs and it was fucking great. And we would get recognized a lot by teenagers, like teenage boys, <laughs> which is really the audience for Comedy Central. <laughs> yeah. um, but we would get recognized a lot and I still get recognized by the nerds uh, still to this day. Uh, sometimes they don't know. Where they recognize me, but <laughs> it's uh, the big nerd. Fans. Either that or not another teen movie. <laughs> yes, right. which, or of course my great role in not another teen movie. Which again, the teenage boys yeah. Oh, recognize yeah. me from not another teen movie. I find that happening a lot. Living in sort of Los Angeles, you know, you see so many people that you recognize that occasionally I'll see someone and I'll be like, "Shit, do I know that guy?" Or did I just see him somewhere? So right. like, like wave, like yeah, in yeah, case yeah. he knows me or something. I yeah, used I used strange. to work at a uh, at a blockbuster and uh, in Studio City, and so I'd get celebrities all the time, and uh, and it was it was nice working there because you would get that where you're like, I know you, mm-hmm. I don't know where I know you from. Oh look! Here's your blockbuster car. Of course, that's where I, yeah. that's who you are. You'd basically very get handy. Name. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, nice. you're Samantha Mathis, and you enjoy the 4400. That's <laughs> that's nice. So, yeah, I used to. It's funny because uh, I start. I, I went back and listened to some early episodes of your of your show. Oh, we don't recommend that. You yeah. gotta have mercy on your soul. <laughs> but it's interesting because I find you know you guys are pretty much movie nerds in the. The true sense. One of you worked at Blockbuster. The other worked at ArcLight. Yeah. That's what movie <laughs> nerds do. And I was like, well, what is, what is TV nerds don't really have that option. What, I work in a TV repair shop? <laughs> but I don't, you know, I just sit and watch TV. But, um, but it's funny because when I first moved to L.A., I worked at a Blockbuster. That was my yeah. first L.A. job. But I worked in the one in North Hollywood. Yeah. Not a lot of celebrities <laughs> coming into that one. I'll tell you what, though. I went to a Ralph's in North Hollywood. And not even a particularly nice Ralph's. Um, <laughs> and I was just walking around, and I was like, hey, wait a second. That old man looks familiar. Is that Martin Landau? And it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I saw him. I was like, first, okay, first off, what the hell is Martin Landau doing in North Hollywood? Sure. Second, what's he doing shopping by himself and in a suit, no less? Like, he really just And were any the- of those questions answered for you? No, I, I, I was like... I just let my like I would talk to people when I worked at Blockbuster because I'm already talking to right them. of course. Whereas there's only been one person that I've seen in public, and I'm like I have to say something, and Jimmy I do. Pardo. Which no, he right. said he <laughs> oh, said Jimmy was, Pardo. Yeah. I, right. I met Maurice Lamarche, and I was oh, okay. super thrilled. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's at the Arclight. There's you know a fucking plethora oh, yeah, of, of famous people in there all the time, and so I usually day. wouldn't even say anything. But I'll tell you, like the short list, it was like. I had to say hi to Jimmy Pardo. I fucking had to say hi to LeVar Burton. <laughs> sure, sure. And uh, I think, uh, I don't know. So there are some others. Well, the good thing about Maurice LaMarche is he doesn't get, you know he doesn't get that. That's what I was, right. that's what I was banking on. Yeah, so you knew who he was, and you're obviously you're familiar with his work. Yeah. And like, uh, like, did you ask him about Ed Wood? Did you ask him if that was him and Ed Wood? Uh, no, but I knew, uh, I knew that it was mostly just because of trivia that it was right. like a, they mixed his and Vincent D'Onofrio's voice oh, okay. um, so that it would match a little more. Um, yeah, because he's, I mean, any fan of animation, I don't even think you have to be a fan of Pinky and the Brain. I think if you know anything about animation in general, yeah. you know who he is. Well, and it's, and, and 
I was a fan of his before I knew who he was because I loved the real Ghostbusters growing up, and he did the voice of Egon. And uh, yeah, that was that was great. The so. real Ghostbusters. Because <laughs> I because there was another show called the another cartoon show called the Ghostbusters, and that didn't that have like a crazy ape. Well, or the something? thing is, Ed, here's my expertise coming into there. We oh, go coming into this it. This is exciting. There was a a live action TV show that was a Prescott. Shimer, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, uh, those guys. It was a live action show called The Ghostbusters. Okay. And it starred Larry Storch and Forrest Tucker, okay. who did a lot of pro- projects together, F Troop, and a lot of uh, movies, Disney movies and stuff. And they were, um, oddly enough, their characters' names were Spencer and Tracy, or Spencer and Kong, and they had an ape named Tracy. Ah, nice. So it was the three of them, and it was really low budget, and uh, the basic premise was like famous bad ghosts like Jesse James mm-hmm. or Cleopatra was a villain for some reason, <laughs> would come back and raise havoc, and then people would come and hire them to get rid of them. So then, this is in the 70s, so 20 years later, you know, whatever, 15, 20 years later, the Ghostbusters comes out, yeah, and then they decide, well, we're going to make the cartoon, yeah. but then the guys who already own that name said, no, no, we're going to make our cartoon based on our TV show yeah. and call it the Ghostbusters. Yeah. So then... Dan Aykroyd and everybody who owned the movie said, fine, we'll call ours the real Ghostbusters (laughs) if you want to be a dick about it. (laughs) And so then the two were on and they couldn't have been. But then the the cartoon based on the show, the premise was it was the sons of those two guys. Oh, I see. And Tracy the ape. Of course. So it was their sons and Tracy. Because apes live... You know, yeah, oh, yeah. a hundred years, hundreds, hundreds of years. Sure. <laughs> the original live action show is available on DVD now. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You can you can get it on yeah. DVD. It's it's not worth watching, but <laughs> I watch, I loved it when I was a kid. But that shows you. Yeah. I I love I love that TV is available on DVD. Like I was, my wife and I were at uh, Disneyland a few days ago, uh, where I incidentally saw David Hasselhoff. But uh, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, and uh, we were in the gift shop, and I was and I was. Super thrilled! I was like, oh, "Darkwing Duck is available on DVD." So, like, all this stuff that nostalgia costs so much damn money. Like, like <laughs> yeah. I already have three seasons of Batman the Animated Series, which is a great show anyway. Sure. But it's like now I have to buy Darkwing Duck, and it's probably not going to be that good. No, it's, um, it's almost like you might as well buy a picture of Darkwing Duck <laughs> and look at it and remember how good it was. Because people always, I don't have it like a huge collection of TV shows on DVD, and mm-hmm. people are often surprised by that, but. You know, what I say is just buying a bunch of videotapes and DVDs and and putting them in a closet or on a shelf or something isn't really something I'm interested in because unless you're actually watching it, Mm -hmm. you don't really own it. I mean, those cases could be empty while they're sitting up there on those shelves. And unless, you know, it's something you use, you know, like some critics use it for reference. You know, I'm sure Roger Ebert still goes back and checks out movies that he's curious that he hasn't seen in a long time and gives them a thumbs up and then puts them back in the case. Um, (laughs) But then, like, unless you're watching for reference or it's like something that you were a huge fan of that you watch over and over again, you watch the shit out of it. It's like, what's the point in actually having it? And especially now because... If there's anything I want to see on DVD, well, first of all, most shows I can see on some channel somewhere. Yeah. But then any show on DVD I can generally rent. Um, you know, like I didn't. I just got Showtime for the first time this season because there wasn't really anything on Showtime I wanted to watch. And then when Weeds came out on DVD, I really enjoyed it. I watched the whole first season in two days. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And then the second season just came out, and I liked it even more. Yeah, the second season's even better. And so the third season was starting, and I thought, well, I really can't wait to see it. I think I'm going to order Showtime. And then that Duchovny show started. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, I got to say, I like all the boobs. Yeah. Uh, I am. Uh, I watched the first episode, and I think no fewer than like six pairs of tits in that Well, in the second hour. episode, not only are, are there more boobs, but Paula Marshall appears full frontally naked. <laughs> all those years I watched all her bad shows of Cupid and Family Practice or whatever the fuck it was with Henry Winkler. Every bad TV show she was on and finally she shows up nude <laughs> on Californication and I was I couldn't have been more happy and if you had seen me you would have known exactly how happy I was <laughs> because I was nude at the time my own self. <laughs> but uh, but it's uh, I think it's a good return for Duchovny and uh, I mean I just read this article in TV Guy they talked about you know how a lot of shows are just like inundated with sex now and I mean that show they don't pull any punches it's just yeah. all about him banging women and yeah. and you know and I thought it was funny in the second episode 
he made some joke about Scientologists, and Paul Marshall turns him and goes, I'm a Scientologist. So then later on when they're in bed, he's making all these Scientologist jokes <laughs> while he's banging her. And he's like, uh, <laughs> he's like, uh, like uh, I, I never did this with a Thetan before. <laughs> and and right, right, she goes, would you hurry up? And he goes, are you clear? <laughs> just shit like that That's is funny. very funny to me. Yeah, I think so, he's good on the show. I mean, I'm judging but just by the first episode. Yeah, I think he's really good. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I think it's a good hit for Showtime. And, you know, for the longest time, Showtime had to basically kind of live in HBO's shadow. Yeah. But now what does HBO have? Is Entourage and yeah. a few people like Flight of the Concords. I and, like it. We like yeah, The Wire. I like it too. The Well, yeah, of course, The Wire is great. But The Wire is almost like, like for people – like. So people love The Sopranos and then would go, I don't know if I get The Wire. Like, it's almost like you have to be really smart to enjoy The Wire. And especially now, if you didn't watch like the first few yeah. seasons of The oh, Wire, yeah. you're fucked. You, there's yeah. no way. Yeah, it's like starting on page 300 of a novel. Exactly. Just like, yeah. like, why, even, why even bother? A, friend, a fan of uh, my podcast just wrote me uh, just today and said that they were just getting ready to show The Nine in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And she said, "Should I? I know the show got canceled. Should I bother watching?" And I'm like, "Well, I tell you the truth. I mean, it was a good show, and there's great acting on it. But you're going to be really, really disappointed when they don't have an ending. I mean, yeah. when the whole premise for the promo of the show is what happened in there, yeah, and they're never going to show yeah. you what happened in there. So I said, don't even bother. And then she goes, "What about Dexter?" And I'm like, "Well, on the other hand, yeah. Dexter's a." Fantastic show. I still haven't seen an episode. Yeah, and that, that the first season's coming out on DVD very soon because yeah. they're going to yeah. start the second season. I also like but, the, the idea that it's very easy to make uh, Southern California look like Miami by just making the streets wet. Right? <laughs> just look like it already rained. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fun. So, um, well, we should we should get into you know we're a movie podcast, so we should. Whatever. We should get into yes, it. Yes, enough we? TV. Yeah, uh, let's talk like, about it. You know, like, hey, who maybe cares about TV, could, uh, really? <laughs> maybe, maybe they could resolve the nine by making a movie about it. There's the a transition right there. There you movie. go. Well yeah. done, David. You've done it again. <laughs> Which brings up something, well, uh, we can get right into this. Uh, something that I want to talk about is uh, not just movies based on TV shows, but movies that act as, as a supplement to the, v- to the TV show. I'm mm-hmm. thinking specifically of like uh, uh, Serenity Firefly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Fire Walk With Me, the uh, Twin Peaks movie. Right. Uh, what do you think about uh, about those? Um, well, uh, it's I think it's difficult to make a good a really good movie based on a TV show, uh, just because uh, it, you, you you walk a fine line, and if you go too far in one direction or the other, you're going to blow it. And it, you know, there's evidence of that uh, almost every summer. But um, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, just talking about the two you brought up, I mean, Serenity was really just a way to wrap everything yeah. up. It was mm-hmm. clear, uh, you know, of all the shows Joss Whedon has made, that was like the one that had the biggest uproar, you know, and when it got canceled, people couldn't stop crying about it. It would have been like if Buffy had gotten like canceled shortly before they could wrap everything up. Everyone right. would have shit their pants. But it was really, I mean, cause I was disappointed that they killed off so many characters in that movie. And I thought, yeah. oh, but you know, a friend of mine explained, he said, well, that's it. There's not going to be any more right. serenity yeah. stuff. That's the end, the end. And I was like, well, I guess that was the whole point then, just to kind of wrap things up and show you how things from the beginning to the end, how it went. Whereas the Twin Peaks movie, I found it to be very self-indulgent. Now, that one was kind of a prequel or something, right? Right. Well, the first part of that movie with uh, Chris Isaac and Kiefer Sutherland, Mm -hmm. brilliant. I think it's awesome. And I could watch that. And unfortunately, that's what, 10, 20 minutes long, that part. And I think that's great. The rest of it is fucking horseshit. It's so <laughs> unwatchable, uh, you know, and it, it's just, it's I no I seem to remember the French press loved it. <laughs> no, <laughs> that makes perfect sense. But, um, yeah, and this is sort of uh, the difference why, why maybe a Serenity is uh, more watchable than, than other movies that are just based on TV shows is that Serenity... Uh, recognizes the TV the, the series that right. and just is essentially like a two part series finale. Exactly. Whereas if when you make like a uh, I'm trying to think like um like like Bewitched or whatever you know yeah. you're trying to cram what is years and you know, right and right. altogether hours series. and hours of, of of viewing and trying to get all that in 90 minutes. Yeah, and like I said, it's like if you go too much one way or the other, like. If you try to put every fucking character in the movie, you've kind of got Larry Tate and Uncle Arthur and Aunt Clara and, you know, and Dora and Maurice and every fucking character that we love from the from Bewitched. It's like, where's the movie? There's all these great characters played by, you know, a bunch of character actors, but there's no movie here. So in Bewitched, they go the other way. There's no Larry Tate. 
You know, and I people were uh, incensed by that. How yeah. do you have Bewitched without Larry Tate? You know, it's like that's the whole fucking show. I think so, the Simpsons movie kind of did that too, where like, I mean, the show has become almost just as much about the supporting characters right. as the family itself. And I think the movie, I think it was a smart move to actually kind of, rele- you know, relegate them to where they should be, which is just kind of they add color to the town and they have their own little jokes and that's funny, but it's about the family. You You're know? absolutely right. It's funny. My daughters are six and eight and my eight-year-old is, is very much becoming her own person these days. And she's a lot like me. She loves TV. She loves movies. She's a complete smart ass. She, <laughs> uh, she loves to make people laugh. She doesn't make me laugh. And um, she no longer like, like I'll give you an example. We went and saw the Bratz movie. With them. Okay. And to tell you what, how, how small the audience is for the Bratz movie, the six-year-old loved it, eight-year-old hated it. <laughs> so, like, that's your window. Like, basically, zero to six is the only people who will love it. This movie's fucking awful. But uh, my eight-year-old, just, she was just like, that was stupid. And the other day, she revealed to me that The Simpsons is her favorite show. And whenever we go to Blockbuster, she always runs to see if there's new Simpsons out on DVD. Hmm. And she told me that's her favorite show now, which is funny because, you know, here in L.A., I'm sure it is the rest of the country, too. It's on, like, what, 10, 15 oh, times Oh, my, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and for her, you know, for me, you know, I was in college when the Simpsons Roasting on Open Fire started. So I've seen every episode. Yeah. But her, you know, she's got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> yeah, lots so she, of catching yeah, up so <laughs> she'll watch an episode that she's never seen before. I may have seen it four or five times, but she'll watch the shit out of it, and she'll enjoy it. And it's fun because sometimes... I will remember things that I forgot right. about. Oh, yeah. But she revealed to me that that was now her favorite show, The Simpsons. Yeah. And she asked me... For an eight-year-old, that's... That's good taste. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, well, that's good. The Simpsons is great. And she, sa- she says, who's the star of the show, though? Oh, I asked her who her favorite character was, and she said, Lisa. And I sa- she hmm. said, well, who's the star of the show? And I went, I guess it's Bart. And she goes, Bart? He's hardly on the show. <laughs> I'd say I think I think the first few seasons it started being Bart, and then yeah. I think they realized that Homer had more comic potential. Yeah, I think you're. Right. I mean, if you want to just look at like the premise of the show, yes, it's Bart. But in the throughout the seasons, I think Homer has become more of the star. Oh, yeah. But then, but you're but you're right. But even the supporting characters sometimes. I mean, it's almost like, who do you like the best? Like, if you're a big fan of Mo, you might say Mo is a star because yeah. he's so fucking hysterical. You know, I know you, uh, David's a big fan of Mo. I know you yeah, like yeah. him a lot. You can't go wrong with him. No, he's great. I mean, sometimes the Bumblebee Man is my favorite character. <laughs> yeah. But I saw that movie. I saw, the, I saw the Simpsons movie twice. The first one I saw, I saw at the midnight premiere with a couple friends. And, you know, of course, filled with nerds and, yeah. and yeah. Simpsons fans. And that was... And that was a lot of fun. And then I saw it like a two weeks later. I took the kids, and they loved it when Homer flipped everybody off. That's a good. That's a good scene. <laughs> and they and when they showed Bart's dork, they freaked out. <laughs> they thought that was so funny. They could not stop. They were just like, I can't believe they thought they were in the moon or something. They're yeah. like, this is the craziest. I'll moment. say this: the the show really utilized. It's PG thirteen yes. in like the best possible way, like just yep. not overplaying the hand, but just doing it in just like the perfect way. Well, my wife, uh, my ex wife, asked me why uh, is it rated PG thirteen. I said, well, specifically, uh, they show Bart's wiener, uh, Homer flips everybody off, and Marge says, "God damn, yeah, that's it." Oh, Those wow. are the three reasons it has yeah. to be PG thirteen. Although my question is, which finger did Homer use to flip everyone? <laughs> I, off? Know. I know, I only has. <laughs> He has a thumb and three fingers, right? He must have been doing the Dane Cook thing, or I don't know. But that was that had to be the biggest laugh for me when he was going down like that. That, was that so is great. funny, yeah. Um, well, we should brilliant. we should get back to movies. Oh, sorry, okay. um, <laughs> sorry to veer off. That's okay. That's what uh, you, we tend you, to Paul, do that. You, uh, so. you sent us uh, a link to uh, some articles you'd written for TV Squad about your favorite and, and least favorite, uh, yeah, uh, TV adaptation movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that uh, interested me is uh, you had The Fugitive and Mission Impossible on there. And right. in, in what you wrote about The Fugitive, you said that it does what it should do is, is that it makes it bigger. It's a bigger screen, so it right. should be bigger. It was a huge – yeah. That was the one thing I – I mean, The Fugitive, I think, on its own is a really good movie. Yeah, I love if it. If you know yeah. nothing about the TV show, it's still – I mean, first of yeah, all, and it's – me being 11 when it came out, I didn't know anything about the TV there show. There you go. So. Yeah. And it's like – I mean, and it's an old, old story. You know, Les Miserables – it's yeah. pretty much the same story. It's, yeah. you know, run, Joe, run, whatever you want to say it's based on. It's, you know, one dude chasing down another dude. And, and, and you, you know he's innocent, but you don't know what the deal is. And that was the same thing with the TV show. So it's, it's a great story, and they, they, it's really well acted. But 
you know, the on the TV show they had to keep it going and keep it interesting. And sometimes there would be episodes that had nothing to do with the plot of the of the TV show. He would just roll into town and meet somebody. You know, Incredible Hulk is pretty much yeah, the fugitive, right. but he turns into a monster. <laughs> um, so, uh, but the but the when you know when I went and saw the movie, and I was living in Chicago at the time. When I went and saw it, yeah. oh yeah. So you know, I recognized obviously everything uh, in the movie, and you know all the trains and, and the bridges and everything. And I was just like, "This is fucking great!" You, you know, jumping over bridges and and with this the scene when they're in their downtown in City Hall, and they like they show when they go by the Bulls trophies, the NBA trophies, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and then uh, they close the glass doors and he shoots. Yeah, that's I mean that's what the movie should be. That was like the pinnacle scene for me, like. He's shooting guns into bulletproof glass, and the dude is standing right there going, oh. And it's like Harrison Ford at his scared best. You know, (laughs) Harrison Ford has that scared face that he does in every movie now uh, where, you know, he can't believe he's he's got to run, but he's so fucking scared. And usually his wife is in peril. (laughs) Right. He's almost frantic, you might say. Um, But but I think, yeah, that was like it did it on a huge, huge scale. And Untouchables um, is the same way. I liked Untouchables. A lot. Again, it took place in Chicago, and um, and some of those scenes. I mean, it's clear some of it was done on a soundstage, but there are some scenes that are big, like throwing throwing him off, throwing Nitty off the yeah. roof of that building. That yeah. was a big deal, and it was an exciting scene, and you know, and stealing the the baby carriage scene. Yeah. And, you know, I, again, I'm not. I, I wasn't a movie nerd then, and I'm not much one now. And I didn't know anything about that baby carriage scene. Yeah. Right. It wasn't until uh, you know Graham Elwood, who was a, he was a film major. We went to oh, college yeah. together, and he was a film major. And later on, he told me, "Yeah, that's from this movie, Battleship Potemkin." Um, but I didn't know did anything you almost about say it. Pretension I there? almost did. I, that's why I paused. Uh, we can't help it now. <laughs> yeah, that's why I paused. But uh, but I thought it was really well done. And it's funny because I was just talking to the guy out in the the lobby about it. Um, there's really only one character from the show who's in the movie The Untouchables. And the truth is, that was a real dude. I mean, you could yeah. make a movie about The Untouchables. It has nothing to do with the TV show. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, Elliot Ness and Nitty and uh, Al Capone, those were all real guys. Yeah. So yeah. you could make... I mean, the true story of Elliot Ness is that he was a decent cop, and eventually he got, uh, he got arrested for drunk driving. <laughs> and thrown in jail, and his career was over. And you know, like in the movie, yeah. Kevin Costner's that scene where Kevin Costner says, "It's good to be married, isn't it?" He was never married. He died like yeah. you know, alone and shamed. Um, but well, uh, and then Frank Frank Nitty like shot himself after yeah. taking uh, Al Capone's seat. Yeah, after, and then Al Capone, of course, died of syphilis in yeah. jail. He was fucking. He had his his brain was pretty much Swiss cheese <laughs> by the time he died. So all those guys felt suffered very ignominious ends. But um, but and so that would be a, like historically probably be a bad movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you made the Untouchables, the historical version of Untouchables, it'd be very bad. But uh, but those are those are two of my favorites because I think you know, like you said, they're big. Uh, they're 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 what you should do. Just blow it up on the screen and make it make it huge. You know, I see a lot of kids movies because of my kids, yeah. and I see a lot of shitty ones. And I like I, I'm so happy when a Pixar movie comes out because yeah. generally yeah. they're pretty good. But a lot of them are just, you know, like the SpongeBob movie or something. They're just 90-minute episodes of yeah. mm-hmm. the show. And I said that about The Simpsons. That's, Simpsons is kind of like – it's just a 90-minute episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. But The Simpsons is probably the, one of the funniest shows <laughs> yeah. ever made. Yeah. So why not so, watch it? Yeah, why not watch it? It's yeah. three times as long. <laughs> I'm down with that. How many times have you watched The Simpsons and gone, oh, I wish it was longer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish there was more. Well, there you go. Here you go. Here's your 90-minute episode. So, I mean, and it's – Plenty of jokes all the way through it. I laughed all the way through. I can't, I can't deny it was a funny movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Well, let's talk about further about the the list. Another one that's on your that was on your list of, of favorites is is the Brady Bunch movie. Yes. And what the, what the Brady Bunch movie sort of did is, in sort of a postmodern sense, like recognized the artificiality of what the Brady Bunch was and then mm-hmm. placed it in a modern world. Almost, you could say, making fun of it. But I think it it didn't. It 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 was almost yeah. it was it was really earnest about the the Brady Bunch themselves and in a way used that to make fun of modern culture. Yeah. Right. That sort of trend, that sort of postmodern trend with like the Starsky and Hutch movie and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, uh, seems to, there's a diminishing returns. I think every time they try and do that. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely, I mean, yeah, the Brady Bunch was the, really the first to do it and it did it really well. And like even the sequel like pales for that exact reason. It's like, they tried to do it more and it, and it doesn't pan out. And like they put in her ex-husband and, you know, that's, that's kind of gay. <laughs> and it just doesn't, it just is not funny and it doesn't fit. Whereas, like, you know, 
I mean, the, the great part to me about the first Brady Bunch movie is the performances. Gary oh, yeah. Cole, he's yeah. so brilliant. And you know, he, he watched the show and worked up a nice impression and said, this is going to be really funny. And Shelley Long is probably her best work. <laughs> and all the kids, uh, you know, did a fine job. And they, and they basically said, Let, what are some of the greatest things we remember about the Brady Bunch? You know, mm-hmm. uh, the band, that right. gay song. Bre- uh, Greg wrote on the guitar. <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh, fact that Marsha was completely hot, but she was a virgin, and all that stuff. Hit in the nose of the football. Hit the nose yeah. of the football. <laughs> all the great jokes. Jan's glasses. Yeah. Peter's voice. Yeah. All the stuff like you remember from the Brady Bunch. So okay, where can we put those jokes in the script? And that was the whole movie. You know, in the meantime, there's some semblance of a plot there, yeah. but that's what it should be. Is just hey, remember the Brady Bunch? Wasn't it funny? Yeah. Let's kind of laugh along with it, and then you know. They they put in a few cameos. Andy Davis is in it, and uh, and Florence Henderson at the end. And it's it's almost like they're it's like yes, they're making fun of it, but they're more. I think they're more celebrating it. Yeah. Then it's it's almost like they're saying, "Hey, we love you guys." Like a roast. It was like a roast of exactly. the Brady Bunch. Yeah. But like, and, 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 look- and Hutch is the <laughs> flavor flavor roast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is the yeah. shittier roast. Yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. Like you look at Michael McKeon's part in that, and at first. He kind of represents the audience. Like, he sees how ridiculous these people act. But then after a while, it's just like, he's just a bitter guy with no happiness in his life. Right. Yeah. And he's, they're he's, happy he's, and they love each other. Yeah, he's like, no better than they are. He's, exactly. He's, he's a loser. And, 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 like, and, and his whole family, mm-hmm. they're all a bunch of fucks. And, yeah. you know, and that Jack Noseworthy's character, like, he's supposed oh, yeah. to be a rock oh, yeah. and roller and stuff. Oh, yeah. His band sucks. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the Brady Six is a much better band, much cooler. Their songs are greater. <laughs> so, yeah, you're absolutely right there. I mean, he's an, an, I mean, he's the evil, he's the villain of yeah. the movie. But you're right. At first, he seems like, wow, what a bunch of dorks. But you come over to, to realize, yeah. I would much rather be a Brady than exactly. a Dittmeyer. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've said that many times growing up. I'd much <laughs> rather be a Brady than a Dittmeyer. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got another Battleship Pretension shirt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I was curious. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the only defenders I know of the Miami Vice movie. Mm. Um, and the reason now it's not that good. I, I recognize that. Um, I'm a huge fan of Michael Mann. Um, I think visually it's gorgeous. Um, but the thing is, one of the reasons that I like it in reference to the topic is because you know David mentioned Starsky and Hutch, and then there's Bewitched. There's one thing that I, I have a hard time verbalizing this, but like there's a you certain can't tell at all. Do what you can't tell. <laughs> I'm sorry, um, but like. Uh, Excuse me. Like if you look at like VH1 and like I love the 80s and that kind of thing, there's a certain degree of these days like nostalgia mixed with cynicism. Like there are shows that are kind of bad, but and and in an attempt to like insulate ourselves from quite possibly the fact that we loved that show um, when it was on, we're just we just think back and we're like, yeah, that show was ridiculous. That was dumb. Right. Yeah. And so there are, there are movies. I think Starsky and Hutch, you know, which I do find kind of funny at times, but like. It's almost like, yeah, I mean, that was a popular show at the time, and it wouldn't have been popular had people not liked it. And, right. you know, but rather than do – but it was kind of silly, and look at those crazy fashions. And so it's like they make this thing that is almost condescending, and it's like above it. And that's what I like about Miami Vice is it actually had the balls to be like, look, I took – you know, Michael Mann says, look, I took this seriously at the time. And I take it seriously now. I'm not right. gonna, you know, I'm not gonna right. have just because these th- these yeah. like, pa- pastel colors aren't in fashion yeah. anymore doesn't mean that this sort of storytelling isn't still uh, viable. Yeah, and yeah. I liked yeah. it because at least it had the freaking sincerity to be what it was. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, obviously the the fact that he you know did both, he basically was Miami yeah. Vice. He yeah. will always be Miami Vice. I mean, it's one mistake that people made it make is when like the creator of something comes back and wants to do a parody of it yeah. that never works out yeah. because they can never basically not take themselves too serious. I heard uh, when uh, the Ruddles, uh, you know, the Paley festival mm-hmm. does this uh, big thing every year. And um, one year they were doing the Ruddles and they had Eric Idol and uh, uh, the director, Gary was named Gary Weiss uh, and Ricky, Ricky Fatar and Neil Innes were all there on the panel. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, all four of the Ruddles, except for the drummer and uh, the director, and it was and I was a huge fan of that of that movie and uh-huh. and the the CD and everything. And they said, you know, Eric Idle and George Harrison were like best friends, 
And he was often on the set every day when they were making it. And he said one day they were thinking of stuff to do. And George Harrison goes, come on, guys. We were the Beatles. Yeah. And everybody looked at each other like, oh, is he offended now? Yeah. And George Harrison went, ah, who gives a fuck? <laughs> and it was like, you know, if like somebody from the Beatles was involved in making that movie, how are you right. going to make fun of – you were the greatest rock and roll band ever. Yeah. How are you going to make fun of yourself? And, you know, and Michael Mann, he didn't even, he didn't even attempt that. He said, I'm yeah. going to just make an updated version with a couple of cool actors. Yeah. I mean, I was never a big fan of Mammy Vice. My dad watched it a lot, and I would watch it with him sometimes. But I thought it was just a little too, uh, it was just a little too uh, visually assaulting mm-hmm. for me uh-huh. when I was a kid, and I was more, way more into comedies when I was a kid, anyways. Right. But, um, but I mean, the show, for better or for worse, it was what it set out to be. You know, the premise for that show, Brendan Tartikoff kind of invented that show when he took over NBC mm-hmm. he basically shit out this whole list of ideas for shows <laughs> you know Punky Brewster was one of them and Family Ties he was like how about a show with conservative kids and hippie parents that was it <laughs> that was the premise for Family Ties and for uh for Miami Vice he wrote on a piece of paper during a meeting MTV Cops and after the meeting, he gave it to someone and said, see if you can make a show out of this. And that was Miami Vice. So, I mean, and that's pretty much what it was. And then he gave it to Michael Mann. And Michael Mann was like, yeah, we'll never shoot in front of a brick wall. We'll never shoot in front of stucco. Never a white wall. It will always be, you know, something colorful. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know and, and Miami is the perfect place for that because right. it's all Art Deco. Yeah. I mean, there's like, there's like parts of Miami that like you legally cannot tear down the building because right. of the art deco and stuff. So, I mean, and that it's was Easter all year round there. Yeah, <laughs> basically it's Easter with giant boobs. That's what Miami is. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's a cool. And, but I think, I mean, I think Michael Mann is, is a really good director. I, you know, I loved Ali. Yeah. Um, really? And, and again, I'm not a, not because I'm a fan of, you know, I'm not a big sports fan. I'm not a big fan of Muhammad Ali, but I love the way it was made. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a documentary. Uh, you know, yeah. the way I saw it. it's very little dialogue. You know, it's very sensory. It reminded me of um, the Lenny Bruce movie. Oh, Lenny, yeah, Lenny. Because, yeah. like, again, there's very little dialogue in that movie. It's almost mm-hmm. just like they set up a camera uh-huh. and okay, act like Lenny Bruce. You know, and yeah. like all the smoke and you can yeah. smell the room and stuff. And I really dig that. I think it's a bold way to make a movie. And I, I know. You know, a lot of people go see those movies and they're like, "It was boring. Nothing happened." But yeah. I really, I think that's that's a film, in my opinion. You know, yeah. That's, yeah, that's. I think I really dig stuff like that. But but I didn't I, see the Miami Vice movie. So you didn't see it. No, I never it's, did. Even you know, see it. well, we're not uh, both not fans of Ali. So uh, no, no, I don't. I don't. I don't dislike it. And it actually is the one. Uh, it is the one performance of John Voight's that doesn't make me want to kill myself. He's um, really good. It's surprising. He's good. He that's the thing is like he's such an overactor. He's everything that Robert Duvall could be but isn't. Um, and just like <laughs> it's like he like they often get the same roles. And Duvall's right. like, I think I'm going to play it like a human. And yeah. uh, and well, I tell you, you want to see the worst John Voight movie ever? Go see Bratz. Oh, he's in that. Yes. Oh my god, he's gosh. the principal of the school. Oh and my god, he is. Painful to watch. I don't know. Like, he is in the Super Babies. He is in the Baby Geniuses oh, sequel, I believe. <laughs> I made one time my mom was in town and I said, Why don't you take Zoe to go see the Baby Geniuses movie? Because she really wanted to see it and there was no way. We'll sit, like, we went and saw Underdog the other day because it was the only thing playing, which is it's not a very good movie. But it was, at least I could sit through it. But, like, they'll show all these previews for kids' movies. And I'm like, you guys want to see that? Okay, your mom can take it. <laughs> you guys want to see that? Oh, good luck. But every, like, there was something that they showed, like Nancy Drew. I, I walked out of. I like left them there in the theater and went and like played video games and came back. Was, I just couldn't. I couldn't fucking watch it. But every once in a while, you'll see something that looks kind of cute, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I could sit through that. But it's harder now because you know I don't eat snacks anymore so i don't i can't like <laughs> eat popcorn and soda and say at least i had a nice soda <laughs> now i have to take a protein bar with me and treat it like a lunch date with my kids uh, well there's a, a couple more uh subtopics of uh movies based on tv shows that i want to talk about uh one i don't really have any really thoughts myself but i think it's an interesting topic is um like brain candy and the monty python movies mm-hmm. and i know you were involved in, in sketch comedy with, yeah. with trouser shock and and stuff like that uh so what do you what do you think of, uh, how does that work well the sketch I, comedy movies um i think well i mean monty python kind of invented that um you know and it was almost like you know because they're from england and tv works so so much different over there like they basically say uh, yeah we're gonna do 10 episodes of the show 
And then the 10th episode, they're done. And there's mm-hmm. no yeah. talk of doing anything else. And also, you know, part of the deal, what people don't know, is that in England, you have to pay taxes to watch TV. Hmm. Right. TV is not free in England. Right. You have to pay a tax. Government. That way, what happens is the TV doesn't have to be particularly great. Whereas yeah. here, obviously, you know, the better the show is, the more ads you sell, and that's yeah. how yeah. that's how TV is made because it's free. But in England, you if you have a TV, you have to pay a tax on it unless you can prove you only watch DVDs on it. Unless you can prove to the court, I, <laughs> I don't watch public television. I only watch DVDs. But that's how they subsidize TV, and in some ways, it's good. And it's like, but in some ways, it's bad because you get what? something like extras yeah. or um, The Office, which I would I think there's plenty more there to be said. But Ricky Gervais says, no, I'm doing these shows I think and there's, done. A, there's a misconception among a lot of people in this country because we get shows like The Office and stuff that British television is better. But anyone right. who watched like that Robin Hood show knows yeah, it's, that show is terrible. No, yeah, there's plenty of shows that, that suck that come from England. That are, you know, I, I'm, I've never been a fan of Absolutely Fabulous. I think that show yeah. blows. But, <laughs> um, but some shows are better. It's just, it's just they're made differently. And Monty Python, you know, it's funny to me because they still show these episodes that are, you know, what, 30 years old? Yeah. I mean, some of them are so scratched up, you can't even see them anymore. But they're really funny. And it was just a natural progression, I think. They said, well, we can only do so much with this you know, limited budget here at the BBC. Let's just make a few movies. What do we want to make fun of? Yeah. You know, like the first one, that's something completely different is just sketches. Yeah. And, uh, and they just put in a bunch of sketches. And then they said, let's do something about, you know... Uh, King Arthur and very yeah. funny. Let's do let's make a mo- let's do a movie where we make fun of God. Mm-hmm. You know that's pretty yeah. that's pretty lofty. And that's the most <laughs> that's that's definitely the most uh, movie ish of their movies because even yes. the, even the Holy Grail is there's a through line but it's essentially a series of sketches. Yeah, a bunch of jokes riffing on one. You're right. And then they go back to Meaning of Life, which yeah. is my favorite yeah. personally, and it's just laugh after laugh after laugh. It's just hilariously funny. And then and then even going beyond that, you get stuff like. A Fish Called Wanda, which yeah. to me is a Monty Python movie. It's like there's two of them, but yeah. it's the same humor. Yeah. I mean, John Cleese is the same dude, and he's so fucking funny. And, um, I, you know, I think it's a great thing. It, and it, the sad thing is you don't see a lot of that stuff. Like Brain Candy, there's, you know, even Brain Candy was not as good as it could have been because Dave yeah. Foley was really not involved. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't write the movie. He, didn't, he barely had time to be in it. Yeah, and you know it's basically four fifths of a kids in the yeah. hall movie. Yeah. There's five of them, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's uh, it's not as good as it could be, and and I think that's the problem is you get, you know, like the Reno nine one one movie, um, you're going to get something like that when they're all involved. Yeah. But that's you know those like you know that was it's like the the guys from the state they make all these movies, and I, I was never a big fan of the state, but it's not everybody from the state making a movie. It's like David Wayne and Lennon and Garant, they're going to make a movie. Yeah. And then a few other guys, they're going to make a movie. And it's just not as good yeah, as like it could be. It's like a collective. It's like, uh, it reminds me of, you know, when I saw Airplane, and I've talked about this many times on my own podcast, to me, Airplane was the movie that made me want to be funny. Yeah. Uh, I saw it with a friend of mine. We must have been in fourth grade. I was camping with him and his parents. And his parents, we were like, what are we doing today? And his parents said, well, you guys are going to see a movie. We're going to go do something else. And they literally <laughs> dropped us off in this movie theater, gave us our tickets and said goodbye. And we didn't know what the fuck the movie was. Uh-huh. We just knew it was called Airplane. Laughed our asses off. I went home, told my brother, told all my friends. I must have seen the movie 10 times. <laughs> and still today, it makes me laugh. And I think it's brilliant. And then I I was like, there has to be more of this kind of comedy. And the Naked Gun, uh, not the Naked Gun, but Police Squad Squad. was more of that. And I Mm -hmm. loved it. And then it's like, then they break off and Jim Abrahams makes hot shots. And it's like, you know what? That's one third as funny as Airplane. Yeah. You know, and all those movies. And uh, they're just not quite as good. And, and, And that's, I think that's what happens. You know, eventually, well, like, like Orgasmo, you know. Uh People think that was from the South Park guys. Well, not really. It's not really the South Park guys movie. You know, and yeah. eventually that's what's going to happen. One of those guys is going to make a movie. It's going to be half as funny as South Park is, yeah. is the bottom line. And, you know, I, luckily, the you know, sadly, Graham Chapman's dead. But the Monty Python guys still do stuff and they still work together. And there's some funny shit out there. Um, I would like to see them do a movie where like Terry Gilliam directs him and like he's yeah. crazy the way he is, you yeah. know, and makes them all mad and the movie's just a fucking crazy <laughs> mess. I would love to see that. Well, um, we should start winding down, but I want to, uh, 
uh, turn the tables for a second and talk about two of my favorite TV shows of all time, which are based on movies, which is Buffy and MASH. Okay, uh, sure. Well, Buffy is, it's funny, because Buffy really, it's almost like the show exists apart from the movie. Yeah. Because I remember when the show first started, I was like, they're making a show about that fucking movie? Yeah. With Christy Swanson? I hope it's good. And of course, you watch it, and Joss Whedon's name is all over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas the movie, he just wrote it, the first draft. Yeah. And they rewrote it and picked it apart and made it kind of dumb. And I mean, it's not terrible, but it's, it's not all that great. But then he said, you know, for whatever reason, he got, I think it was because of WB was so new at the time, he got lucky enough to basically control the show and made it what he wanted the movie to be in the first place. And, and it caught on. Luckily, it caught on with, with uh, the audience that they were looking for, young, uh, young boys and girls. And they said, okay, this is our big hit. You, you know, write the book. This is your deal. And he was able to, you know, turn it into what he wanted. And it's really quite brilliant when you watch it from beginning to end. Yeah. All the twists and turns and the character arcs. I mean, it's, it's like, it's very rare on a show do you see one or two characters actually have an arc. On that yeah. show, every single character changes from beginning yeah. to end. And it's, it's really brilliant. And, like, you know, the fact that, like, you watch the beginning episodes and Spike is this evil, detestable vampire who you'd yeah. love to see dead. By the end of the show... He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a hero. <laughs> he's a hero, and that's fucking amazing to me. And the character really hasn't changed much. Yeah. He's still the same dude. It's just the circumstances has made him be that. And uh, Cordelia, same thing. Yeah. She's you know a horrible person. I remember there's an episode of Angel where she says, I used to be the ditziest bitch in Sunnydale, yeah. and look at me now. <laughs> you know, And it's true. She's a completely different person. And Angel and all the characters who went off to their own show. Um, and then just, if you look... Look at each episode on an individual basis, episodes like Hush or, oh, yeah. um, you know, great ones like that, where it's like, that was the greatest, or the musical episode, uh-huh. like self-contained. It's, it's like, not only were they doing great stuff, but then they concentrated on this one episode to make it really, really interesting and cool. And, uh, you know, I think that was, and I think MASH kind of did the same thing. It was when Larry Gelbart took over mm-hmm. really on MASH. He was like, okay, I know there was this movie, but this is a show I want to make about war and yeah. how, how much war sucks. And then Alan Alda, you know, got more and more involved. It became their yeah. show. And, but again, uh, you know, the show wouldn't have existed without the movie and the book, obviously. Yeah, but I think the, the, I think the movie MASH is really overrated, maybe because it's got Alden's name on it, but I think it's... Uh, its lack of structure seems lazy as opposed to like a comment on the war or whatever it's supposed yeah, to be. Yeah. And I also think that it has uh, that it's 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 mean spirited and uh, it's a little callow. Whereas I think you know maybe the show got a little bit more maudlin, but mm-hmm. it's fucking war. Maybe it should be a, right. You know? Like no laugh tracks in the operating room. Yeah, right. That was a big. Yeah. That was a big deal. Well, it's funny because I think if the movie was directed by someone else, there'd be a lot of complaints about all the noise. Uh-huh. You know, in MASH, but since it's an Altman movie, you go, oh, well, that's what he does. Right. Yeah. Everybody talks at the same time, and there's a ton of noise. <laughs> but, like, if it was directed by someone you never knew, they'd be like, the fuck? Why is there all this racket? <laughs> I need to hear what these characters are saying. So I think you excuse it. But then also, um, Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould are really good. I mean, the rest yeah. of the yeah. cast, you can give, you can leave it, uh, take or leave, but those two guys are really the focus of the movie. But I say, you know, once the football game and all that shit starts turn it off yeah it's like the yeah. beginning of the movie where they introduce the characters and especially when they go to Tokyo with yeah. Hawkeye yeah. And, uh, and, and Trapper go to Tokyo then it's good after that eh, don't bother it turns bother. into the longest yard yeah really <laughs> it's really kind of gay and, and Frank's the, Robert Duvall really does nothing he's, yeah. he's, he's boring and, uh, and Duke and all those other characters and Henry they're really boring did you know that Gary Berghoff is the only character yeah you know, yeah. play both yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you did. That's good that you knew that. <laughs> and he's like, uh, it's probably been almost ten years now, and they did like a uh, like an hour long TV special, like Mash Reunion or whatever, uh-huh. and it shows like Gary Burkhoff playing with his kid, and and he still looks like a little fucking boy, but he's got like gray hair now. <laughs> yeah, right. It's really and weird because he has the exact same haircut. I'll tell you a story. One day when we were doing Beat the Geeks, um, it was between between shows, and we were kind of hanging out because our dressing rooms were 
we're right outside the door, so we, there's like a two second walk from our dressing rooms onto the stage because they didn't want us to see anybody. <laughs> they didn't like for a while. They would walk us to the bathrooms. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Eventually, I said, "I'm not going to wait for someone to take me to the bathroom." <laughs> but um, one day, we're all kind of hanging out. We would get to talk to the crew, like the sound guys and cameras. So we were really tight with those guys, yeah. and of course, they're all very hip. <laughs> we were all hanging out with those guys, and um, Mike Farrell walks by. Hmm. With his like combat boots in his in his hand, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's Mike Farrell!" And some guys like, "Yeah, they're doing mass reunion, uh, two stages over." I was like, "What the fuck?" And I <laughs> I fucking ran over there, and it was it was that reunion where they it was they just showed clips and talked to them uh-huh. all, and they had the whole setup like the they had all the old props and stuff, and it was all set up. There was the sign and the swamp, uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh, this is so cool!" And they were tearing it down. I was like, oh, "Are you guys done shooting?" They're like, "Yeah, we just shot." cutaways today they were all here yesterday i was like you fuck (laughs) i fucking missed the whole thing (laughs) and and there was another time they did a tv land was there for this big i love lucy thing that i i snuck in and got to talk to marsha wallace and rosemary and like a million people from the old days and that was kind of fun but that was a great thing about being on to bring it back around to being on beat the geeks is it was like instant pedigree now Mm mm-hmm yeah. And still, it still kind of lingers on. Uh, it's like, oh, you're the guy from Beat the Geeks, right? Oh, yeah. Come, please, join us in our TV world. <laughs> and so I, I'm immediately uh, recognized by the TV folks. I took my kids. We were at home the other day watching this show, Ned's Declassified Guide to School right. Survival. And you guys watch it on Nickelodeon. I haven't watched it, I'm it's, it's one of the better Nickelodeon shows. It's kind of cute and funny. And my kids like it a lot. Um, but there's this character, I, I don't know the actor's name, but he also was the lawyer on Veronica Mars. You know what I'm talking about? Their lawyer, he has a very deep voice. I didn't watch enough of it to be able to. He's great. He was great on Veronica Mars. But um, we're watching this Ned's show, and I was like, all right, we got to go run some errands. And we go, I went supercuts to get them a haircut, and he walked in. And it was, it's, a lot of times we'll see people from their shows, and of uh-huh. course they're like, that's Gordy. They don't know their real name. But we were literally watching him 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and I go, I said, they were just watching you. And I was like, girls, look who it is. They're like, Gordy. And, <laughs> and like they freak out about shit like that. But so many times, you know, we went and saw Surf's Up. Yeah. And I, afterwards, I called Brian Posehn on the phone <laughs> to tell him, because I love Surf's Up. I thought it was really good. And I called him to tell him how much I liked it. And he picked up his phone, which he rarely does. <laughs> and I was like, hey, man, we're here in the theater. We just saw Surf's Up. It was great. And he's like, oh, I'm glad you liked it. I go, hold on. Talk to my kids. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this is sure the guy's brother. And he's like, hi, did you guys like the movie? And they're like, wow, this is, that's how he talks. And, the same, and then we went and saw Ratatouille. And I was like, all right, I'm going to call Patton. And I'm going to tell him how much you guys like the movie. And, uh, and then we go out. And there's that thing for Balls of Fury. And I was like, look, yeah. there's, there's Ratatouille. That's the same guy. <laughs> so now they think, they're like, you know everybody in Hollywood. <laughs> I'm totally, I know everybody. I'll introduce you to everybody. <laughs> but it's funny because it's like kids care about shit that normal people don't. And I can introduce them to, to people that, that don't mind being introduced. Like I right. can take them on the set of Drake and Josh. And I'm <laughs> like, this is the greatest thing ever. Whereas those guys would probably be like, hi, hi kids. It's good to see you. It's not like I'm taking them on the set of Saturday Night Live or something. <laughs> they don't want people there. But it's a lot of fun. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we should I, I start wrapping up. You had a good time? Did I you? did have oh. a good time. Oh, good. All right. This was a blast. I was listening when I knew I was going to come here. That's why I went back and listened to a lot of the old episodes so I could hear what you guys did at the beginning. And then I just <laughs> oh. listened to last week's episodes. And it's funny to see the the arc that you guys have made. Because uh, yeah. you still film. There's, I mean, I, I don't listen to the show regularly because this is like deep. This is you got to be deep into film there to, <laughs> to listen to this show, which uh, which I think is good because that's what a podcast honestly should be. It should be very uh, it should be very deep into its subject. But you guys, uh, uh, the the thing I like the best is I was listening to one episode and you talked about uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel arguing with this. Defeat. John Simon, John Simon about Star Wars, and I, and you know, I've said I was just reading an article about you know how Ebert said, you know, he he doesn't want to give a thumbs up until his new contract is in. Like, <laughs> he, he refuses to give thumbs up or thumbs down on his show until the new contract comes in because he owns that apparently. Uh-huh. He he and whoever he deems to be his partner are the only two people who can do yeah. that on a review show. But I've always felt like I, I've never had much use for film critics 
except Siskel and Ebert because yeah. they pretty much say, this, I like this movie and this is why. Or I don't like yeah. the movie and yeah. this is why. So, and then you say, well, I don't really feel that way, so I might like it. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they review movies the way it should be. And I think you guys do the same thing. Uh, you know, and uh, specifically, you were talking about Bad Boys 2. Uh-huh. How, like, they're supposed to be good guys and yet they kill all these people. <laughs> yeah. That's fucked up. And a friend of mine in Trouser Shock, Tom, he's, he says the same thing. He's like, how can I watch the rest of this movie when the star of the movie has become a murderer? Now? <laughs> Even though it might be accidental, he's now a murderer. I'm totally done with the movie. And I think that's a cool thing. And I think it kind of shows a renaissance of, you know, just, I mean, maybe because it's the internet or whatever, you know, uh, you know, it, most guys, very, there are very few film critics your age, you know, yeah. uh, usually if you want to be a film critic, you got to be a reporter first and, and have your own column and blah, blah, blah. And then you end up getting spoiled. You know, even Gene Siskel used to eat sushi and stuff when he <laughs> went to the movies, which I thought was kind of gay. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I like your show because it's really – you guys get deep and you talk about the movies and why you like it and why you don't. And uh, you pretty much you – don't, you, know, you don't have to judge the movie. And yeah. you say, this is what I think about it. If you agree, you'll probably like it. If yeah. not, you might not. Yeah. And uh, that's the deal. Well, that, that, that is – yeah, that's, I appreciate it. That, that is what I always liked about Ebert is like – I remember somebody had sent him a letter saying like, you know, uh, what do you think film criticism should be? And he said, you know, he's like, one of the first things I learned in film criticism is that is like, oh, never use the word I. And it's like, but you know what? When it comes to criticism, you can't take yourself out of it no matter right. how much you try. Right. And yeah. so that's the good thing. They like Siskel and Ebert were so down to earth yeah. and they just said, look, I granted I may have a film degree and everything, but this, you know, this touched me on a certain level. It's yep. how freaking Siskel can love the movie Carnosaur for some reason. <laughs> right. You right. know, I and, mean, if you watch their old show, Sneak Previews on PBS, if you watch yeah, old clips yeah. of that, sometimes, and it's usually always Roger says, I like this movie. Gene's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. This is the worst movie I've ever seen. And they'll make fun of each other the yeah. whole time. And, and that's. But there is a certain great. degree of respect there. Like oh, that was yeah, actually that's yeah. David and I have gotten comments. It's like you guys need to disagree more. And it's like it's really not that interesting <laughs> because when yeah. you disagree with somebody that there's already an agreed upon standard and you already know that, you know, I may not agree with him on this, but I agree with him on pretty much everything else yeah, and right. what a movie should be. It's going to be a very civil discussion, as it yeah, turns exactly. out. Me arguing with some moron who doesn't like the proposition uh, at Blockbuster, <laughs> and he says that there's no story, even though they're totally it. Ah, oh, um, that's that's an argument. But we're not going right. to have him on the show. Yeah. Oh, maybe you should. That would <laughs> be kind of. Great. I want I want you to have a guy on the show who didn't like. Um, uh, the fucking Scarlett Johansson, Lost in Translation. Uh, I've met so many people who didn't like that movie because they we say could nothing have his happened. girlfriend. Now. My girlfriend actually, uh, <laughs> get her on the show <laughs> and explain to her why that's a great movie. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so well, before, that's what I like to see. Uh, before Tyler starts spewing any more bile, we should uh, <laughs> get filled up. <laughs> we here. should we should we should wrap up. Uh, so. so uh, Paul, people can find you at the thekingoftv.com. Is that right? Yes, thekingoftv.com is my website, and there are links there to all the crap I do, including uh, the podcast, my right. podcast, yeah. The Paul Goebel Show, um, which uh, we're getting ready to do episode 60 this week. Doug Stanhope is going to be our guest oh, uh, nice. if it works out. So, yeah, that'll be fun. His Showtime special was great. Yeah, I just I read a bunch of – he had gotten a bunch of hate mail. I'm sure. On his I've, Showtime I've no special. Doubt. So I wrote him a letter. I said, I want to have you on my show, and we'll talk about your special and how much hate mail you got. And he's like, of course, he's down with that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. he's a, Doug is an is a odd guy. Um, so we're going to have him on um, uh, hopefully this week. And, uh, and, you know, it's always a fun time. And we have – for those of you who are fans of Never Not Funny and Miss Mike Schmidt – uh, we're going to have him back on my show cool. a lot yeah. more. Uh, Mike was my favorite part of that show, and he's a good friend of mine. And Mike and I, you know, we both had the surgery, so we have a, we, yeah. talk, we talk to each other quite a bit these days. <laughs> he's a fucking Superman. I don't know how he eats. Because like, he got a lot of protein shakes and shit, yeah. which are just horrible. I, I'm still looking for one that's good. And he's like, yeah, I have one protein shake a day. It's got 80 grams of protein in it, and I just suck it down. I'm like, what the fuck? He's like the bionic man of protein shakes. I don't know how he does it. There's another T-shirt. Damn it. All right. <laughs> Suck it down or... <laughs> uh, bionic fuck? Man of Protein Shakes. Bionic Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or well. it could say on the front, Bionic Man of Protein Shakes, and then on the back, what the fuck? <laughs> and a picture, uh, picture of Mike, Mike Schmidt. Schmidt. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so. yeah. But listen to uh, my podcast, and, and you can watch... Uh, me and Trouser Shock doing some funny stuff on uh, Stupid Face on Fuel TV every Friday nights. we got some good stuff yeah. coming up. Don't so listen to it 
too, don't listen to so many episodes in a row because you will get the Perfect Strangers theme song stuck in your head <laughs> yeah. and you can't get it out. I for try like to mix three it weeks. up a little bit. Oh my gosh. Perfect Strangers is one of my faves. Uh, I, I, had, I think uh, WKRP in Cincinnati was uh, stuck in my head for a while. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So, so uh, all right. Well, this has been fun. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank Paul. you guys. I all had right. a great time. Take it easy, guys. Bye.